بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد ابن عبد الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين Respected elders, dear brothers and sisters, dear guests Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh In the past few weeks, we have discussed the fact that Allah Almighty has created us and has designed us. He has given us choice in a few matters, very few matters, and He has decided many others for us. One other area in which we do not have control is whether we are born as male or female. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah Almighty says in the Qur'an, وَلِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ يَخْلُقُ مَا يَشَاءُ يَهَبُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ إِنَاثًا وَيَهَبُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ الذُّكُورِ That to Allah belongs the kingdom of the heavens and the earth. He creates what He wills. He grants females to whom He wills and grants males to whom He wills. But that's not all. Or He combines for them couples, both male and female, twins, both males and females. And He makes whom He wills barren. Surely He, Allah, is all-knowing and very powerful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an also tells us how we originated when He says, Ya ayyuhal nas, O mankind, O people, Inna khalaqnakum min wa untha. We have created you from a single male and a female. And of course, Allah Almighty is referring to Prophet Adam السلام, and his wife Hawa. Iblis, Shaytan, the devil, tempted them to eat of the fruit that they had been forbidden to eat. And in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it very clear that in fact it was both of them who ate. And both of them ate together. فَأَكَلَا مِنْهَا Both of them ate. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it clear that it was not her fault. She was not the one who tempted or who guided Adam alayhi salam to eat. It was Iblis, it was the devil who tempted both of them. And they both ate together. So they were both at fault. However, what is interesting as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appears to put a greater level of responsibility on who? On Adam alayhi salam. When he says, وَعَصَى آدَمُ رَبَّهُ فَغَوَى That Adam disobeyed his Lord and he erred. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us they both ate. They both made a mistake. They both ate of the forbidden fruit. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala points out that Adam alayhi salam disobeyed his Lord when they both had. And thus, the first human beings were sent 
to this earth. Over the course of time, Allah Almighty chose certain men, pious men to be prophets. And He also gave certain women very exalted and honorable roles as mentioned in the Qur'an. For example, the mother of Maryam alayhi salam, the mother of Mary, the mother of Isa alayhi salam, the mother of Jesus, of course, Maryam alayhi salam. The mother and the sister, both of Musa alayhi salam, the wife of Musa alayhi salam, the wife of even Fir'aun, known as one of the best women that ever lived, the wife of Pharaoh, of Fir'aun. He, one of, if not the most arrogant and greatest of people to reject Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the worst of ways, and his wife, the complete opposite, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exalted her and honored her as well. The mothers of prophets Ismail and Ishaq alayhim as the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, his daughters, and many other women of this ummah, and those who existed in the very, who lived in the various nations of the various prophets, who were believers and who Allah Subhanahu wa Taala had blessed. Throughout history, though, humanity has sadly witnessed great times of mistreatment towards women where women have been deprived of their rights in various parts of the world. And perhaps the worst, perhaps the worst treatment of women, of females was found in pre-Islamic Arabia. During the days, the times of ignorance. During the days of ignorance, before the prophethood of the Prophet wasallam, and even before his birth, Women were treated almost like cattle, devoid of humanity, deprived of all rights whatsoever, and often tolerated in the houses no better than animals or pets, like goats and sheep. And the most disturbing was the fact that a birth, the birth of a baby girl, was considered to be a matter of shame. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, وَإِذَا بُشِّرَ أَحَدُهُمْ بِالْأُنْثَى وَظَلَّ وَجْهُهُ مُسْوَدًّا وَهُوَ كَظِيمٌ And when the news of a birth of a female child is brought to any of them, what happens? His face becomes dark and he is filled with grief. This was the situation at that time. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, peace and blessings be upon him, came to a society whose hearts were so hardened, whose hearts were so hardened that they could not even be moved by the desperate screams of innocent baby girls as they were buried alive. Islam really shook things up dramatically. And female infanticide 
was banned absolutely. And the Prophet ﷺ, peace and blessings be upon him, instead gave glad tidings, gave encouragement to parents of girls in particular. A person who makes an effort, parents who make an effort to give a good, compassionate, loving upbringing to their girls, Allah the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, has told them that they will be in Jannah, inshaAllah. And this, sadly I must point out, is something for us to still take note of. These, some of these types of sentiments, of course, not the illegal practice, the barbaric practice of burying baby girls alive, but some of those sentiments of preferring the birth of a boy over the birth of a girl still sadly exist. And this is something that must be absolutely challenged and must not be tolerated. The birth of a boy or the birth of a girl is an equal gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which should bring about equal happiness. We should bring about equal happiness. The birth of no child should ever bring about sadness. Should not bring about sadness because this is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How could you be sad over a gift that Allah has given you? How could a Muslim, a believer be sad about a gift that Allah Almighty has given to him or to her? So my brothers and sisters, please keep this clearly in your mind. There were drastic changes in many areas and academics and historians who know the situation, who, are, who have studied the situation of pre-Islamic Arabia refer to the Qur'an in particular with regards to the rights of women and the rights that Islam brought as a progressive document. These were progressive changes because they dramatically and dr- drastically changed the situation that women were living in. So for example, things which we take for granted but were not, did not exist at that time. The right to inheritance, this was a major change at that time. The right to own property, once again something which was radical. The instruction to seek the permission of the bride before marriage, before the nikah is performed to have her consent, that was something which is radical. To actually be required by Islamic law to give a, uh, a, 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 a gift, a bridal uh, gift of, of money, a financial gift, the mahr, this was something which was radical. The responsibility upon the husband to ensure the well-being and to pay for shelter and food and clothing and all of the needs of the wife, that was something which is radical. To enjoin kind treatment towards women, that was something that was very new. The value of a mother that has been emphasized in our faith, that was something new. For widows to have the choice to remarry and to marry whom they wish, this was something that was, that, that was new to people. To have education and the rights of education for both women and men, that was new. 
to be able to give bay'ah, to pledge, pledge allegiance to a leader for a woman. That was something that Islam also brought, a form of expression to support a leader. In some ways you can look at it as equivalent to voting, valuing the opinion of a woman to the point where the Prophet, peace and blessings, peace and blessings be upon him, confirmed to have taken the opinion of women, his wives, over even men in some very serious circumstances. Asking questions, being able to go up and to ask of the Prophet ﷺ, and even challenge and question the opinion of a leader. That was also something that was done. And in particular, an incident related to Umar radiallahu anhu, Amirul Mu'mineen, can you imagine? He says something and a woman stands up and challenges him. He says, Ya Umar, how could you say this? This is what Allah has said in the Qur'an. And his humility to accept it. His humility to accept it, not to challenge it, but to accept it and to realize that yes, maybe I said something that was not the best. Justice with regards to equal punishment for crimes. These are just some of the examples. And what this did, my brothers and sisters, this established a tradition. This established a tradition of Muslim women scholars. Yes, scholars, experts, businesswomen. There's a scholar of today's time, Shaykh Akram Nadwi in the UK. He has spent years, he has spent years researching a biograph- biographical dictionary in Arabic of Muslim women who studied and taught hadith, the traditions of the Prophet ﷺ. It is called Al-Muhaddithat. And only the introduction of this book has been published. And the introduction is only 200 odd pages. Because the entire work actually grew to 40 volumes. How many volumes? 40 volumes, and I was reading that he's actually having trouble finding a publisher to actually publish it. 40 volumes. And he found that within the bounds of, of haya, of modesty in dress and manners, women routinely attended and gave classes in some of the major mosques, some of the major masajid and madaris schools. And they traveled intensively for knowledge of deen, and they transmitted it, and they critiqued a hadith, and they issued fatwas, and they did all of this. And some of the most renowned scholars, names that we hear, classical scholars, among men, have proven, they're proven to have depended on, and even praised the scholarship of their female teachers. These scholars enjoyed, the female scholars enjoyed considerable public authority. They were well regarded. You can still find them in some of the books of history. And to date, up until now, Shaykh Akram has found 8,000 such female scholars. How many? 8,000 female scholars over the past 1400 years. So my brothers and sisters, this is the type of change that Islam brought. This is the type of track that it pushed people towards from what they used to be. Sadly though, it was about 400 years ago it seems that this tradition started dying off. 
started lessening, started dying off. And roadblocks were put up. Unfortunately, sometimes in the name of religion, that eventually led to decline in women's education, decline in tarbiyah, the moral and religious training, in some parts of the Islamic world. This could be attributed to various reasons, cultural influences as Islam entered into different parts of the world, and more recently, the rise of secularism. Meanwhile, in the West, until the early 19th century, 19th century, women were still unable to vote, still had the legal status of a minor. If they were single, they couldn't own their property. If they were married, they were allowed to own property but had no control over their property, could not initiate a divorce, couldn't make wills, sign contracts, and a number of other restrictions. Now, of course, all of that has now changed here in the West. And we have laws that guarantee equality between men and women, laws that ban discrimination based on gender, strong laws against assault and harassment. Yet, unfortunately, despite all of these changes, we still find a great lack of respect towards women. And the statistics are shocking, at least to me, that 85%, 85% of Canadian women, and there were, it was a large study, 12,000 Canadian women surveyed, said they had experienced harassment by strangers. 85% had said that they had experienced harassment by strangers. And these findings were published some time ago in August 2000 in the Journal of Research in Crime and Delinquency. Of course, the situation in some Muslim societies, Muslim-majority countries, is not good either. And it has become a major problem. And unfortunately and sadly, it is also much more open. Harassment of women, abuse and assaults in the public, even, in the open, when it should be the exact opposite due to the teachings of our faith. The teachings of our deen, of our faith, teach us the exact opposite. If anything, our societies should be models, should be models for respect towards women and good relations and respectful and positive interactions between men and women. And then what's actually sad and makes me quite angry as well actually, is that some men have the audacity then to blame women. First, they commit the sin. First, they commit the evil themselves. And then, they're going to turn around and try to pin the blame on women. Hear this loud and clear. It doesn't matter what a man is tempted with. Whatever it may be, no matter how bad it is, it does not lessen his responsibility in any way. It does not free him of any blame or any responsibility if he falls for his temptations and he commits a sin and he does something that he is not supposed to. This should be heard absolutely clearly. 
There's no question about this. So there's no room for anyone to blame anyone else for their own sins and their own misdeeds. Now yes, someone else may also be committing a sin. Someone else may also have not followed the guidance of Allah and His Messenger wasallam. That person is accountable for their deed. Okay? No one's going to carry the burden of anyone else. Okay, so the person who does not follow the guidance of Allah and His Messenger will be accountable for their deed. And the person, the other person who thinks that they are tempted or they are led to commit a sin because of that person, no. Okay, for each person, their own accountability and their own sin. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. You see, Islam has even taught men to respect women with their eyes even. Okay, let alone physically. Okay, respect of the eyes even. Respect of the gaze. To guard it. To keep it pure. Respect of the mind. Not to think in bad ways. Right? This is what our, our deen has taught us. So it's a very sad phenomenon. You know, our spiritual connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes weaker. And we see, we witness blatant disregard for the guidance of Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. From both men and women. And instead of submitting to Allah, what does it mean to be a Muslim? A Muslim is one who submits. Submits to what? To the will and the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So instead of submitting to Allah, what is happening? We are submitting to our lowly desires. Right? So all of these teachings that I talk about, and that we find, we recite in the Qur'an, we find in the hadith, we say, oh alhamdulillah, Islam is so beautiful. You know, we taught us this 1400 years ago, we had this and that. Yes, mashallah, but where is it practically? Where is it practically? Is it just to be left in the books and to be recited and to feel good about it? Is that the reason why Allah has sent this, this guidance? Is this why the Qur'an has been revealed? Is this why the Messenger of Allah وسلم, has left behind its teachings? No, my brothers and sisters, it should be found practically. It should be found practically. We have to remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our creator, our designer. He knows us best. Knows us even better than we know ourselves. And the guidance that He has given is for our own benefit. If we don't follow the guidelines, if we don't follow the rules and regulations, the example of the Prophet wasallam, the example of his companions, his family, we will bear the consequences. It's not going to hurt Allah one bit. It's going to hurt us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created men. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created women. Similar to one another but also with some differences. And Allah Azza wa Jalla in His wisdom has, in his, and in His knowledge has given guidelines accordingly in the way that He has designed us, knowing how He has designed us, knowing what our inclinations are, knowing what our traits are, He has given us guidance accordingly. And sometimes it is difficult. It's not always easy. But... We need to try our best and to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help. Allah tells us in the Qur'an, عَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ It could be that you dislike something when it is good for you. وَعَسَىٰ أَن تُحِبُّ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ شَرٌ لَكُمْ 
And it could be that, that you like something when it is bad for you. So you think that, oh, this is something bad, this is something difficult, this is something I don't want to do, why is it so? But it's actually good for you. And other times you like something, you think, oh, this is great. But it's actually bad for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Allah knows and you do not know. Right? We think we know. We think we know. Yes, we know maybe a little bit. Right? A few drops in the ocean. Right? A few drops. That's all we know. Right? The knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, absolutely no comparison. Okay? So especially nowadays, it is particularly challenging for practicing Muslim women in today's climate. And really, I personally, really I commend, I salute any sister who even thinks, who even considers wearing the hijab or wearing niqab. Because it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to do so in today's environment. And I make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah accept their efforts and that He grants steadfastness and keeps all of our sisters safe. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also told us that both men and women have an equal opportunity, have an equal opportunity to excel spiritually and attain nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah tells us, مَنَا عَمِلَ صَالِحًا مِّن ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْسَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٍ Whoever works righteously, does good deeds, whether male or female, while he or she is a believer, فَلَنُحْيَنَّهُ حَيَاةً طَيِّبًا Verily to him, to her, we will give a good life. We will give حَيَاةً طَيِّبًا وَلَنَجْزِيَنَّهُمْ أَجْرَهُمْ بِأَحْسَنِ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ And we shall pay them certainly a reward in the hereafter in proportion to the best of what they used to do. So there's a great reward and that is equal for both men and women. I'm going to end with this. Asma bint Umais the wife of Ja'far ibn Abi Talib, she returned with her husband from Abyssinia, because the Muslims had migrated first to, to escape persecution in Mecca and Mukarrama. She went to the wives of the Prophet ﷺ and said, has anything from the Qur'an been revealed about us, meaning about women? They answered that nothing was revealed about them. So she went to the Messenger of Allah ﷺ and said, Ya Rasulullah, Women are disappointed and at a loss. Women are disappointed and are at a loss. So Rasulullah asked, he said, how is that? So she said, they are not mentioned in the Qur'an in good as the men are. The women are feeling that they are not mentioned in the good, in the Qur'an in good ways as the men are. As a response, and this is from the books of Tafsir, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse. إِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَالْمُسْلِمَاتِ Verily the Muslim men and women, those who submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ The believing men and the believing women. وَالْقَانِتِينَ وَالْقَانِتَاتِ the, 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 uh, the men and women who are obedient to Allah. وَالصَّادِقِينَ وَالصَّادِقَاتِ The men and women who are truthful. وَالصَّابِرِينَ وَالصَّابِرَاتِ The men and the women who are patient. وَالْخَاشِعِينَ وَالْخَاشِعَاتِ The men and the women who are humble. And he keeps going. وَالْمُتَصَدِّقِينَ وَالْمُتَصَدِّقَاتِ The men and the women who give sadaqah, who give charity, zakat and alms. 
وَالصَّائِمِينَ وَالصَّائِمَاتِ And the men and the women who observe the fasting. وَالْحَافِظِينَ فُرُوجَهُمْ وَالْحَافِظَاتِ The men and the women who guard their chastity. وَالذَّاكِرِينَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا وَالذَّاكِرَاتِ And the men and women who remember Allah much with their hearts and their, their tongues. عَدَّ اللَّهُ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةً وَأَجْرًا عَظِيمًا Allah has prepared for them forgiveness and a great reward. So to recap, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our designer, our creator. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He has created men and women with many similarities but some differences as well. And He has given us guidance accordingly. So we should try to strive to follow His guidance without falling for our desires. Otherwise, we will end up hurting ourselves. There's equal opportunity to attain piety. So strive to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Strive to become close to Him. And particularly when it comes to education and when it comes to teaching our children about the deen, about our faith, please have special emphasis the reason I say special emphasis is because I see neglect in this area with regards to the education and the tarbiyah of girls. This is something that we have to keep in mind. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect our sisters, especially increase us in taqwa and steadfastness. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us to respect one another and to live our lives in the best way possible according to the guidance of Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ameen wa Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Tonight, inshaAllah, we will be having uh, a seerah program called The Journey to the